Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 10th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHats.com. And this week on the podcast, we will talk about Austin Matthews' um, contract, five-year contract in Toronto, uh, what the implications are for not only the Leafs, but for other players that look at that um, approach to signing their RFA deal. And the Ducks finally, finally, I mean, jeez, canned Randy Carlisle. And we will also speak about the Pittsburgh Penguins and how Justin Schultz is just about ready to come back. And, yeah, that's got to happen. <laughs> they, they need him. So first things first, Austin Matthews. Uh, I don't think it was ever in doubt he was going to sign a contract to stay in Toronto. That's a great city, a great situation for him. Uh, it's a good fit, but he didn't uh, didn't bend over backwards for them now, did he? No. What I like about it, though, is it feels very NBA-ish, if you know what I mean, in a league where players have a lot more power in regards to what kind of contracts they want. I think the max they can do in the NBA, and I could be wrong with this, is like a five-year deal anyway. It's This would be the first big contract that hasn't signed for eight years out of his entry level. Do you know what I mean? Like, but David did it, Crosby did it, oh, kind of. Crosby Martin. did 13. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, though? Like, this is the first big-name player that's got some big-ass money and didn't do the eight years. He wants to have some flexibility later on to go again. And I like it on the player's side of things. I'll be curious to see how the CBA handles all the signing bonuses because... Smaller market teams cannot pay that money out at the start of every year like Toronto can. Yeah, it, well, the reason, the only reason that they're doing the signing bonuses is because they don't want to be subjected to losing the money in a lockout. So maybe the league could, you know, not do that. And the players would, would help. Wouldn't feel it necessary to 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 do that method. Um, you know. Yeah. No. 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 That I understand, but. I, I feel as though... Well, they're still going to do the signing bonuses on the other side of the CBA side. They'll still keep doing it because this will be how the really rich teams can guarantee players their money. You get it, bang, straight up, right up in front. And I think that's the, I think that's a, an attractive thing to any person if you're going to get paid for an entire year's worth of work right at the start. I want to say Travis Yost had a tweet or a chart that had Toronto way in the lead with this kind of uh, signing bonus money. So this is going to be an advantage for uh, the teams that are flush with cash. Um, Toronto, definitely being one of them, uh, are going to use that until they're told they can't. I, I don't fault them for doing that. But no. <laughs> it, I think it might need to be uh, leveled back. So I, I, I don't know how that's... It's one of... Everybody seems to be saying the CBA will get signed and they'll go through. They won't have another loss of games or anything along those lines. Um, but I'll be really curious to see what the teams in the lower two-thirds of the we've-got-money bracket of this league say about this kind of stuff. Yoast had a really good 
a really good discussion about making it a soft salary cap mm-hmm. um, in the last podcast tidbit that I heard from him, and I thought it was a really good argument for it. They're not going to budge on something like that. Um, that will be another lockout to move to a soft cap, but it might be something that they need to, to look at moving forward. But you get this, <clears throat> oh, I think it was the, was it Friedman's podcast? Somebody asked, is this, are the signing bonuses included for escrow? And I think they are. So that might have been, that was the other reason I thought players were going for their signing bonuses because it meant it didn't get included in escrow, but I believe it does. So it's too much contract talk. I'm in favor of um, giving the players more freedom and control of their careers. Yep. Uh, the, the, well, we've said it in the past. We, we could see the NHL, if they got rid of the draft, we wouldn't be ultimately upset. No. <clears throat> Just takes away an event. That's you, you would still need a hard cap, though, I would think, if you took away the draft. See, that'd be a really curious argument to lay down in front of the NHLPA. Keep a hard cap, but give you guys freedom from the age of 18, or keep the draft and... Um, or, and or maybe obviously... allow player loans like they do in soccer. I don't think that would... Hey, I don't think that would... Yeah. We need a center. You guys are out of it. What do you want for the rest of the year to use this guy? Yeah, I don't know if then that'd... the player can come back. But if he's on like a shit team every year, they get a sniff of some kind of team success. It might keep yeah, them happier. Normally when players get loaned out, they don't get loaned out to the same league. Yeah, that's true. That's all. And that's, that's the only reason. Like if the NHL ever went global and actually had a European league and a, and a North American league and, and they kind of were separate entities I could see that working but at the moment with it being like it is it just you can't you can't just get there and go oh, I'll loan you this guy if you give us like your first round draft pick an X for three months I just it, I just don't think that would work I like the concept though yeah, I'm just trying to get players a little bit more flexibility and happiness freedom. in their careers. Well, um, the amount of happiness they give us, I think that's fair enough. <laughs> like Connor McDavid's face the night of the, the Edmonton thing. Like, he knew what that meant. But, but he's got and to put on the good old Canadian boy face now. He should have, and he should have just Lindrossed it. Or at the very least done what Austin Matthews just did. Bet on himself. Listen, not everybody can turn down the eight years. They're not good no, enough that's true. to be the guarantee, and if they get hurt, they'll... Guys like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid definitely can take uh, the quote-unquote risk and sign for shorter term because even if they do get hurt, people are still going to be highly interested in their services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're talking like incredible injury, but how rare are those? It's not like that's happening all the time. No. So, you know, Austin Matthews from his very beginning, he went European pro, and I believe he went to Switzerland. And he's like, fuck the CHL and your 
stupid ass transfer agreements. You know, I don't want to play yeah. college because they only play so many games. Why don't I just go get paid and play a lot of games and get good experience? Oh, okay, and it's in Switzerland. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, whoever's guiding him or mentoring him, good job. Because all these choice, their choices are top notch. Seems like he's he's all over it at the moment, doesn't he? Which is good. Just takes a kid from Arizona to know how to navigate this shit. Yes, that hockey hotbed. Well, that probably saved him. Yeah. Well, it keeps him out of the. It keeps him out of the bubble. It keeps him out of of the. You, hockey's done this way. You do it this way. There's there's. You're not allowed to break the mold. You've got to do everything exactly the same off the production line. And he's certainly not that. And the cap's going to go up. The gambling is. It's got to. Well, that might be the lockout. I have. I haven't read much on potential lockout stuff because I'm just not in that mental headspace. But if they don't let's count not the, do that. If they don't count the gambling in the eight, uh, the hockey related revenue, uh, there's going to be a fucking hellfire about. Oh, they'll be right. Yeah. No, no, no. That's. I imagine. That. I imagine it will be in there because how can you take the player's data and not give them a cut that would that would that that would be ridiculous even by nhl standards um, as as an argument point and i think with that the cap is going to go pretty you know it's not going to stay where it is now it's going to keep going up and when austin matthews is 26 years old he can cash in again probably around 15 16 mil based on you know, and I, you get there and you could, the TV deal will be up by then as well. So you assume they'll probably redo NBC at half the price. No, you, well, this is what I'm suggesting here. You would assume they would do a better job and NBA it and spread their coverage across different networks and get a better deal per year rather than the big lump sum up front. I can see the argument in regards to why the NHL wanted that long sum up front, but they don't need that now. The league is out and past that point, so they need to be more creative with how they deliver their sport. I think ESPN would be interested again. They're already showing interest with the ESPN Plus uh, yeah. sh- showing games. I'm not saying they would be the the lone rights holder like they were in the United States, but uh, you know, getting other networks involved I think would be a good idea that's just yeah. one, one less network or hopefully many less networks Pierre's not around for well you see this is the thing that I find amusing um, over here um, we've just had obviously we've got a much smaller TV market here right um, and we've got like four free to air channels and they sort of swapped the sports that they cover this year. One channel used to cover the tennis and another channel used to cover the cricket. They both, the contracts just swapped. Um, the problem was though, the commentators that were on the other channel, almost all of them went across. So nothing really changed with the coverage. It was just different branding because it was on a different network. So don't think that Pierre won't get dragged across. That's yeah, but if NBC still has part of it, he can't jump to ESPN. I don't know. It seems like he can be everywhere at once. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah, I know. 
I, ne- I didn't think this podcast would tread to this particular point. Well, fuck him. <laughs> That's how terrible he is. So um, going back to going back to the contract discussions, where does this leave? Where does this leave Toronto with like Mana? Because that seems to be the the big concern at this point for Toronto. This is going to be a difficult one because Marner's camp, the people close to him, really do believe he should make as much as Austin Matthews, which is not true. Um, he's a really good player. Um, but he, you're talking 9 or 10, not 12. Do you think Matthews took a little less to stay with the shorter term? Do you think he took a little less per year? Honestly, I thought because a few years after McDavid, the cap up, that he could have um, broken that. What What is McDavid, 12.6? I think so. I thought he would get that neighborhood, but he's about a mil under that. So, um, you know, you're talking Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. Mitch, come on now. No, because this is, this is what Toronto have to try and say to him. Austin could have taken X. He didn't. He took Y. Well, for we, all the we need you about, to we need you to take Z. You got to watch a guy like Timo Meyer in San Jose, who you know is really good too. And like, <clears throat> is Mitch Marner five million better than him? <laughs> I actually hadn't thought of making the comparison in that direction, but that's not a bad way to go about it. Uh, you know I mean? The answer to that is the answer to that is no, he's not. But I, I, yeah, the comparable thing is is always really really interesting to see how they work that out. Now they can pay him nine, ten mil a year. Um, paying your better players is good. Paying anything to below replacement players like Ron Hainsey, bad. They're going to have to unload some of these contracts. Marlowe's been okay. He's held on a little longer than I gave him credit for. Uh, the contract still sucks. Still has another yeah. year at six mil. That extra year, I think, is the one that might hurt him next year. Well, they got to get rid of that. I don't know how, because maybe they ship him back to San Jose. I don't know. Um, yeah. So why would San Jose want to deal with that? Um they have to get rid of Zaitsev's contract. He sucks. That's so. This is the thing. It's like you've got Zaitsev and Gardner, and you, you see people talking. You know, well, maybe they keep Gardner. You know, if they can keep him around about five mil, that should be good enough. They might be okay. But that Zaitsev contract for the length of it as well, it doesn't help their cause whatsoever. I mean, you could make the argument that they brought in Jake Muzzin to be the Gardner replacement, but. They're, then they're back to the, the they feel like they're one short oh so, yeah then, the, then they're really relying on Dermot to pick up the slack which could which could legitimately happen like it, he's, he he's could do bad. that he's he's trending in a direction that you could get there and go well he's going to be a second pairing defenseman that can that can transition the puck and with the firepower they have up front can't really argue with that can you now, if you're going to pay Marner, you're going to have a casualty like Kasperi Kapanen. That's true. He's going to get like three and a half, four, maybe a little bit more in that range. 
They're the tough contracts, those ones. They're the ones that you don't want to overpay for. Because he's good, but I, he's I not like that him. next he's level. Really yeah, but you don't want to pay him six. So I don't think that's reasonable at all. Well, somebody might offer shit him. Oh, take the, you know, take the picks and... No, no, I, I agree. If you're Toronto, you just go, we would like the asset. It really helps fill out our depth, but... If you take the picks, you can move them for another depth player in that three to four million dollar range. But if you pay him six because someone offer sheets him, that screws up your entire structure. Everything goes out the window then. So I, I remember listening to Friedman saying teams are actually worried these offer sheets are going to start getting used. Now, until one does get used, I will hold my, my yeah. judgment on that. But um, if the threat is starting to become public that they're going to be used, you pray that they are. Mm-hmm. more fun for us right um, yeah that'll add something to the summer conversations for sure I'm trying to look at cap friendly right now they got projected so. <laughs> so they got seven and a half mil in space um, well for this year for next year that does not include Marner's raise Kapanen's raise Andreas Johnson, he's a good... He's been misused. He's playing his off-wing on the fourth line. He might be their best left winger. <laughs> and he's 24 right now. He's he's. I've been watching a lot more of the Leafs. Uh, they remind me of um, the younger Penguins with the three centers. Yeah. With, with Matthews, Tavares, and, and Kadri's really good. Uh, he's better than Jordan Stahl, so... Um, yeah. The depth is the depth is there. Shows you how good that Kadri contract is value wise when you look at how much Stall earns. I remember in used Carolina. to hearing trade rumors about like they need to trade cut. No, <laughs> that value is insanely good. You keep that. Yeah, one. but he was playing one spot too far up the lineup. He's playing third line center now. He's a legit two all day. Not according to Toronto fans, though. As soon as you drop back to no, that third line center, shit. and I didn't say that they did. I am just saying that's where their arguments were coming from. But you put him down to that third line center, and he's the best third line center going around, and creates that annoying depth that Pittsburgh had for the years that they had stall, and at a cheaper rate. I would ditch. You gotta ditch Zaitsev and Marlow. That's another ten. So now you're talking seventeen million to play around with. And then you got the flexibility for a few of those guys to hang. Like Zach Hyman and Connor Brown? Do you really need... They're at 2.25, the 2.1. Like, those guys aren't core players, and if they are... If the money's that tight, you got to get rid of those guys. Yeah, you pay for the skill. You, you can't compromise your ability to keep the 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 great players because of you know the guys who get numbers because they piggyback off of them now how much for say how much of a say do you think babcock gets in keeping guys like hyman and brown knowing the type of teams that were constructed in detroit i wouldn't want a lot of say at all from him to be honest with you i'm not impressed we we i've said this yes this is why I'm bringing it up. Do you, I think he would have a fair bit of say. I think I he would get there. I I think they... 
the day Bruce Boudreaux gets canned by Minnesota, Toronto should hire him. Bruce is better for the Leafs than Mike Babcock. Which is better for the league. <laughs> like, could you imagine? Yeah, I know. I know. Look at how fun Washington were when they had him. And people will say, well, they didn't win with him. That wasn't Boudreaux's fault. Uh, you look the at Ducks. some of the... You, well, that's a tale for another topic in this, in this podcast in itself. Well, maybe we'll, we'll head there. But, yeah, Boudreaux with the Ducks. They were great teams. They yeah. never got goaltending, which sucks because now they suck and they have great goaltending. <laughs> well, if you look at Boudreaux, it's like the year the Penguins won their first cup, right? How, how, is, how is the fact that Varlamov had a shocking Game 7 his fault? Like, that's not a coaching-style fault. Like, Shit, even Craig Adams had a breakaway goal that game. Yeah. So, you know, you sit there with it and go, that, that was a coin flip game in a coin flip situation, and it flipped the wrong way for him. And he got fucked over by Halak against Montreal. Yeah, well, everybody did. Well, <laughs> Almost. well yes, but <clears throat> he's had terrible luck with the goaltending going against him, whether it be his own team or the other team. Yeah. And, and the Minnesota yeah. teams have been... Way more competitive than they ever should have been. Yeah, the construction of that roster is is not fantastic, and they're right on the border with every other team in the Western Conference for the play at like last couple well, this of year, but spots. They, they've made it comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not an easy division. No. So uh, but... I'm telling you, that fit would be way better than Mike. I know that we're both talking. We both know it's not going to happen, though. Like, I this know. is the thing that's sad about it. Like, you sit there with it and go, yeah, I think that would be great, but pff, who are we kidding? Yeah. Oh, well. Um, anyways. So, the... Anaheim, Anaheim are the worst team in the West. They finally fire Carla. Yeah. Like, it took how long? I couldn't believe it when they fired Boudreaux and brought that clown in. It made yeah. no sense then, and everything since then is, you know, it, there's no sense in bragging, oh, see, I was right. Like, dude, that is a fucking slam dunk. <laughs> you knew he was going to do a terrible job. He's and out he, of touch. He tanks every team he touches. And the other thing that's sort of sad about it is that there are some high-end players that are on the back end of their careers that have just had those couple of years wasted. Like, you know, Anaheim are probably going to go in a tank mode now. Well, and you, that's the you thing s- I don't get about the firing. At this point, it's almost a blessing, like how the Sabres had Ted Nolan, like a hired buffoon. Yeah, I get where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you're past the point of no return, I would have... A smart move would have been like, you know what? We were dumb to hire him. We were dumb to let it go this long. But he's doing a great job at upping our chances for Hughes. So, fuck it. Let him finish the year and then you can his ass. Um, so, the replacement is a guy that's never coached an NHL game in his life. So, maybe they are still going full tank mode. Yeah, that's that's. we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, it's always an interesting dynamic when the GM is the coach. That coach has a little bit more power than the last one. Yeah, but... But who wouldn't want to get out of there at this point? 
Well, you, yes. Aside and from, you, like, Getzlaff, uh, those in Perry, like, they're lifers. And why would you leave playing hockey in that in that climate anyway? Yeah, like, they've already had the, the team success. Yeah, you just stay there and, and then just live your life out that side of the country. Unless they both want to have one more dip at a cup or something, um, which you just sort of sit there and go, what's the... Oh, there is a point to it. Yeah, you loan but... them. <laughs> <laughs> loop back to... But that would be the situation. Like... Yeah, you're right. Right there is the perfect situation for a loan system, but that just makes the contracts defunct. And, and I get there with that inside of this league, and I go, so what's the point of having teams anyway then because you're just going to see the bottom half of the league move all their good players to the others and then it's I suppose the bonus is it's a whole bunch of super teams playing each other and the hockey would be a better quality it'd almost be like an Olympics yeah as I get going in adulthood I don't have as strong allegiances to teams anymore now I've still got that draw to Pittsburgh I well I got the draw to Pittsburgh but it, but it's Crosby and Malkin and Latang kind of thing They'll As always be the my team because they were when I was a kid, and you know. But I've, when I'm flipping through games, I want to watch specific players and and the teams that are fun to fun. watch. And yeah. I don't need a set allegiance for that. I any given year, I'm, I want to watch the best. No, I've definitely. I have to admit, I've definitely started doing more of that. I I do that, but if I have to choose, I always get dragged to the penguin. I, I watch a lot of Toronto now. I, I really enjoy knowing that outside of a fourth-line shift, <laughs> there's a center and a winger on each of the lines that's good. They've really done a nice job with balancing that. you got Tavares, Marner, Matthews, and... Uh, is it... Nylander? No, Nylander's... Oh, no, he's, playing on the... he's playing with Kadri. Austin Matthews is good enough on his own. I think he's got... Um... Oh, no, he's got Kapanen. Oh, yeah. Matthews has Kapanen and Marlowe. I can watch Austin Matthews play with fucking dog shit. I don't care. He's he's my favorite guy to, to watch. <laughs> uh, Non-Penguin. Like, I get it. Connor McDavid is, like, explosive beyond belief, but it's so north-south um, all the time. I, I just, like... Um, Stylistically, Matthews, um, with that size in his hands, and I feel like Hunter McDavid has to do it selfishly. Not, not he's not selfish. That's not what I'm saying. Like he has to do everything. Yeah, it's not as good of hockey to watch. No, you get there and you you can be amazed at the highlights that he comes up with purely because of the solo effort he puts in to do as much as he does. But in regards to watching hockey. Edmonton are just painful to watch and he can't drag that entire team out of a bad viewing experience <laughs> whereas Toronto have the depth I try to go on my way to watch Tampa um, and if they're going to wear those black third jerseys all the time which I would love them to do I thought they were awesome against Pittsburgh um, Tampa's deep all the way through their fourth line is great well they don't even use Callahan anymore no um, imagine what they might be able to do if they could get him off the books. Better watch what I say. I think his brother plows my driveway in the winters. 
Careful. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's the kind of decision you gotta make, though. It's not working, which brings us to another point. Mm-hmm. Check, motherfucking Johnson. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It is funny seeing particular people get on publicly get on the whole johnson is crap train yeah so many people were like let's see let's see no 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 it could work there's and coming up with make-believe reasons in regards to why that signing was done and even they've turned and you sit there and go here's the reality with beat writers though they're basically an extension of penguins pr at this point I'm not even not talking about the beat writers. I'm not talking about the beat writers. I'm literally talking about the blogosphere the around for it. the conversation for the average fan, let me tell you. Because if a beat writer writes it, it's going to be believed way more than if I do. I get that. I absolutely get that argument. It's just that you know, I'm assuming that well, you and I... And then those that are listening to the podcast are looking for people outside of that bubble to get their stuff from, to get their analysis from. And even those people outside of that bubble were wanting, well, I wanted it to work, but you and I were realistic and went, this is not going to work. And, and they were coming up with horseshit reasons in regards to why it was going to work. Well, and when you have Jesse Marshall team. getting there, when, when you have Jesse Marshall getting there and finally saying, that. He wasn't pro. He wasn't pro Johnson. No, but he was apologetic for it, and that's I think the thing that annoys me particularly about the Pittsburgh media coverage of this team. They immediately get defensive, and it just it drives me nuts. It, it's it's like false analysis of what's going on, and I think the reason that it drives me nuts is that there's so much Pittsburgh stuff through my feed that you sit there and go, "Are you all idiots?" And I'm not suggesting that you or I are any smarter than anybody else, but you can see what's going on on the ice. You can't just make it up. And to get there and finally say, oh my God, he's even dragging down Brian Dumoulin. Brian Dumoulin's a great foil player. And he looks fantastic next to Chris Letang, but he's not a guy to control a line. Put him next to Justin Schultz, and the two of them will look fantastic because Schultz has got skill. it's It's just frustrating to see. And when Schultz comes back, which is desperately needed, Johnson needs to be the guy that goes out of the lineup. And I think in the end it needs to be Schultz and Pedersen and then Marta and whoever. And if they can move Marta for somebody that can skate a little better, I'm down for it. Rant over. Okay. (laughs) Um, I wrote a little bit today on Schultz coming back. And I highlighted the fact that Sid gets Dumoulin and Latang, and I, I had the Ryan Stimson um, passing stats. Fantastic work from that man. I bought his book last night, finally. I don't know why I had not to this point, <laughs> but it should arrive tomorrow. <laughs> I should have, probably would have been quicker if I just picked it up from him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah. Um, so the passing stats are obviously excellent for Dumoulin and Latang, more so Latang. And then I get to Mata and Jack Johnson, who 
those are Malkin's most two common defenders that he plays with. And wouldn't you know it, they're not as good. You don't need them as good, you just need them better than replacement. So, I think one of the reasons was Jack Johnson makes a good outlet pass, but he doesn't. No. He doesn't do anything well. No. He skates well, he looks the part, but that's... He's such fool's gold for anybody who doesn't want to put in a little bit of extra effort other than looking at him and saying, oh, he looks the part, how bad could he be? Bait riders. He does look the part. That's what's get. He's a third overall pick, and he looks the part. And forever, those players will stick around. Where hundreds of AHL guys don't get a sniff that are probably better. It happens, and he's he's like the prime example of it. And tell you what, I would experiment with Mata and Latang. Well, you've always said he's a chameleon. Well, and who better? This than... would, this yeah, this would be the best test of it though, because the the only negative of, of pairing him up is the lack of, the lack of speed, to keep up with the top line players that play against Sid. That be that would be my only fear. Now I know Latang can cover off, a lot of errors, but because you want him pinching, you're asking him to cover an awful lot to get back, to help bail out, Marta. That's all. That that's my only fear of, of that idea. Well, they put Johnson there. Fucking, I don't think they have much fear. Yeah, but I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna play that <laughs> yeah. motherfucker with every single possible pairing, and come to the same freaking conclusion every single time they do it. Wow, this isn't working. Oh, wow! Wouldn't you know it? You know what's concerning is that long it... sample that was there, rearing so... its ugly head again. The head coach that just won two Stanley Cups in a row is theoretically being outthought by John Tortorella. Tortorella sat Jack Johnson. One of the reasons he didn't want to go back there. Tortorella went, no, you are no good for us. And sat him. Isn't that his mentor? Exactly. So, what, is Sullivan trying to get there and go, I know better? Well, Rutherford was. Well, we know that. There are parts... Don't you remember the comments he made? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were shitty comments. You know, it takes takes a lot for me to go pro-torts, but uh, that was an obvious case of stay in your lane, Jim. Yep, absolutely. The the other thing with Sullivan is that he is so stubborn as a coach. They all are. I know. And when it's the team that, like, I follow, and I follow passionately and it's the one team that i care about after the conversation we had about having to pick and choose what we watch i it drives me nuts it drives me nuts that these guys come in and they're so ideological about what they believe in i suppose you've got to have some self-belief in what you believe in otherwise you wouldn't get there but you've got to have some form of flexibility about you what happens if sid goes down or gino goes down like he has the lack of ability to switch and adjust and they finally go and move the defenseman pairing around and what needs to happen is Johnson comes out, not push him up the lineup. It's just, it's almost like they're trying to prove that they know better. And it's like, it's failed. It's going well, to here's, fail. Here's what I want to do. Sit here's him. what's going to happen. <laughs> I would like to try Mata with Latang. I would like Dumoulin to go with Schultz, who they drove possession 53% over the last 
three years or so. I think it was 300-ish, 300-ish minutes. Um, Chris Letang, with or without Dumoulin, does not change. He's 54% with or yeah. without. He, he's the guy. He's driving everything. Uh, Dumoulin drops to 48 without Letang. Now, some of that is is the Ron Hainsey stuff really dragging him. That wasn't very fair to him. Um, I don't know. What <laughs> I don't know what you wanted there. Um, yeah. I still can't believe that worked as a top pairing to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, but it did show that maybe Dumoulin is, you know, more of a complementary. But he's also not as needy as Mata needing a great partner. I think he and Schultz could be a very good partnership. And if Mata works, now you've got two pairings. Two good pairings. And you just hide the third. And the third one's going to suck. But. It's better than three shitty pairings. Like when they break Dumoulin away without Schultz. Yeah. I, it's it's funny. Schultz is not the most important player on the team. He is right but now. But you, you throw him back in the lineup and everything balances up a little more. And so, it makes it appear that his importance is larger than it is. But, you know, he's no he's not more important than Latang. No. But well, they need him back. When he goes in... Here's here's what I think is going to happen. Jack Johnson's going to play with him. Yeah. It, like. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. I can't see it being any different. It's it's so stupid. Um, I guess I shouldn't get mad before it happens, but I'm sure everybody listening's like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but if Malkin now has a Dumoulin Schultz. You might start seeing a little bit more from him at even strength. I mean, come on. So I suppose my 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 concern here is that we've obviously set this up to be a terrible third pairing, right? What happens to Phil? Well, there's going to want... be some overlap. You know? You just double shift with Tang. <laughs> There'll be a little bit of overlap, and who knows? Phil might be up with uh, Gino anyways. Yeah. Well, they're going to go to a going to go to a two line forward structure and just hope that the third line can hold its own and the fourth well, line barely you got, plays. You got Bugstad and Brian Rust would be a candidate or Hornquist, and that could be. Uh, something to work. Hornquist is always the weird spare part here. None of he's those... got to be in the top six or else he yeah, ain't worth and the shit. None of those names tell me that they can drive the play from the defensive. Like, they need a transitional defenseman, all of those guys. Because even Kessel doesn't get that deep in the zone to collect the puck and go himself. And it looks like him and Bukestad look reasonably good together. They seem to know where each other is. I just wish Bukestad would stop shooting into the crest of the goalie. Yeah, so yeah. maybe maybe it might work, but they're, they're going to need help to get out. So once again, it looks as though they'll go, oh, Gino's the, Gino can do it on his own. And Sid's too good to separate him from Latang, so he's going to end up with a shit pairing anyway. But so I don't know what they do. It's better than only Sid getting help. Correct. No, 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 no problems there at all. But it's, you do uh, have to look at the pairing that Malkin ends up playing with, 
and put that into context of why everyone's complaining about his production, even though I think he's still more than a point-per-game player. So. Well, here's a novel thought. Why? What about picking up a bottom-pairing defenseman via trade and putting him with Pedersen? Um, I'm, I'm talking non-realistically here because they're... <laughs> but th- they could get out of this problem. Yeah, I know. For the rest of this season. It would be admitting a lot, which they're not going to do. Um, but, man, who the fuck was racing to sign that motherfucker for five years? <laughs> I know it feels like we browbeat this point, but it's so relevant it, to it the is relevant hole to that every in. roster move they make because they are a cap ceiling team, and he's three point two five million of negative value. That matters. No matter what trades you want to come up with, that three point two five million is in play. Yeah. When you sign Hornquist and bump him up to five million, and add on useless signings, that money matters. Yeah, it was poorly done. And Gensel has a raise, and rightfully so. The money starts running out, and the pipeline is not there for the ELCs anymore. You cannot waste anything on stuff that helps you lose. Particularly and, when it's self-inflicted because it was a UFA signing. The reason it worked before for the Penguins is because they had all those Wilkes-Barre guys come up the Rusts, Gensel, Sherry, um, Simone a little bit later to now, but that's still a top nine forward playing for dirt cheap. Uh, Matt Murray in goal. Um, who's coming up now? Bluger's been okay. I'll go. Um, he needs to be the fourth line center. But then you, then, then, then you got to stay that, healthy. And then you got that other problem. It's a one-year contract, and it's for close to league minimum. You talk about the Mac Holland? Yeah. Um, so he's going to take a right. He makes the team worse now. So these choices. Um, they matter. They all if you matter. want to extend. If, <laughs> if you want. Pun central. If you want to extend the window of, you know, your top four guys, Malkin, Crosby, Latang and Kessel. You can't you can't throw money away just because it's there. They didn't have to spend that money then. They could have gone into the season with that three point two five. Yeah, they, Schultz goes down. You've then got seven mil. How much better is this team with Connor Sherry? I know he's not the best winger, but like, yeah, you don't think you could have a player that can bump up and down the lineup in a lot of different spots with some speed? Isn't helpful compared to what they spent it on. Oh, and by the way, they had to trade Sherry because they signed another crappy, slow defenseman, Matt Hunwick, that they had to get out from under. So even if they do finally decide, well, maybe Jack Johnson's not working, what the hell does that trade look like? Yeah, what comes back the other way? Brian Russ going the other way in that one? (laughs) Yeah. And I wasn't happy with the Hornquist signing off the bat anyway. And that's going to be an albatross next year. You think? Because it, it's going to be... All right. Um, I, I'm, I am happier this year than last year with him. Uh, he's got a even strength pulse of scoring goals this year, and that needs to happen. Because the power play, like, let's be honest, Gensel can 
pointed up from that same roll all the yep. same. Does it differently, but same result. It it doesn't. You don't need to pay him five mil because he's the the grinder screener on the power play. You pay people five mil because they can do it at even strength. Um, you can't pay the specialist because it doesn't. If they're good at five v five, they're gonna figure it out on either the power play or penalty kill. Oh, and lo and behold, who do you think the two best killers are? <laughs> Sid and Gensel. Oh wow, gee, that's crazy. The better players are better at it. I get not playing them on the PK because you want to manage their minutes. I understand that, but you got to do it. You know, this team at the moment is leaking power play goals. You've got to try and be a, a chance on the penalty kill. There are offensive opportunities on a penalty kill that are unique. Absolutely. Um, and, and quite frankly, some of those opportunities are easier to come by than playing even strength hockey. Of course they are. I Teams have got one, uh, one defenseman high. Like Elias Pettersson had a play. I don't know if it was shorthanded or not, but this would be the type of play I'm thinking of. He just ripped it off the corner from like the red line or behind it, ripped it right off the corner boards, kicked it out to the slot to his own other teammate. I mean, stuff like that where you can ice it. Yeah. And, and play a little more geometry with really fast skaters. That 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 can create, or at the very worst, kill some time. Yeah. Yeah. You go for Which the bare minimum the whole of goal just, of yeah. the penalty kill, anyways. You know. Yeah. You don't have to block shots to be a good penalty-killing unit if you can use your speed so the shots never happen and they can't gain zone entries. No, that's a... Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, what do you... do? You, do, you, do Tanner Pearson, do you just uh, stick with him or do you try and move him? I would try and move him. I'd, I'd get out. I don't... It just doesn't seem to work, does trade, it? I don't necessarily no. hate the trade, but... Nope. I don't see any. I, he's he's a very vanilla player, and I don't want the term or the cap hit if he's not going to produce with good line mates. Which he's definitely had the opportunity to, to be with. And it was weird. I mean, I know Haglin was vanilla, but at least he could fly. And Pearson just doesn't have that same Haglin speed. It's, it, it, the thing that I, I find difficult with that is it's a general manager admitting that the trade didn't work. And there aren't many general managers that will go, yep, this doesn't work, let's yeah, move this guy well, on. For all his faults, Jim Rutherford usually will do that. It just kind of costs the team um, how much to get out of it. He will move on. I'll give him that. Yeah. Now, let's see. I didn't favor that. Uh, damn, there was a tweet last night. I, wanna, I wanted to keep with this hate session. Um <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> nope. It's been an angry podcast. <laughs> God damn it. Someone had a great Brandon Sutter tweet. Oh, the, he's played 17 minutes. I saw that. He's played 17 minutes over X amount of games. How is it he's only got two goals? Two How assists. How is that even possible? Was it two assists? Was it? Yeah. How is that even actually possible? He plays 17 minutes a night and has two assists on the year. Jesus. <laughs> oh, well, man. Got out from that one. That's crazy. Not really. It's par for the course. That's what that is. But um, 
<laughs> you know, I'm 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 looking forward to this next week where Malkin and Schultz come back, and I do think the quality of play will go up, even if they screw up the Johnson deployment. Those two players are really good, and they are a big part of how the Penguins find success through skill and offense. Um, Schultz, he's needed badly to get yeah. those forwards the puck, no matter who he's on the ice with. Sid's going to be Sid with Latang. Who those partners are with Latang, I think there are some options to be had there. But they know this. Let's say the Mata thing, my suggestion uh, fell on its face. You can always go back to Dumoulin. You know it's a known commodity. Yeah, it's always there for you if you need it. But if it does work, that really changes the dynamic of the team. Getting Malkin back speaks for itself. He's over a point a game, um, and wouldn't you know, people complaining about him. You know what? That stupid asshole shouldn't have turned it over on the power play on Saturday night, I'll tell you that. Malkin, <laughs> that dumbass. Oh, wait, he wasn't in. Uh, it's almost like this is what happens based on how they run it. Yeah. It's high risk high reward power play and for the most part it does what it needs to do for them this year yeah they're they're giving up more goals but those turnovers have been there for a while it it kind of feels a little bit like this the entire team feels like it's in a little bit of a flat patch right now feels like the entire team knows that they're Playoff spots may be on the line and are a little bit tight. I think they get back Malkin, they get back Schultz. They've been a one-line team. Even throw Zach Aston Reese in there to create a little bit more depth. And they'll breathe a little bit easier in the power play, who quite clearly knows that when they go out there, they need to score. To try to do a little bit too much, turn it over, and then you're asking a breakaway save with a one-on-one or a two-on-oh or a two-on-one. So makes it makes it tough in, in that situation. But, you know, I think I said to you before the podcast, Carolina could bump them. And then you said Buffalo could bump them. And that's... I, 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 I think Carolina is the bigger threat there. But, I um... totally understand that. But they're the teams that are sitting like right on that bubble. And and you, you sit there and, and sort of try to, to process it through... Pittsburgh, I I don't think it would be good if Pittsburgh missed because I think this general manager would overreact. Well, yeah, he's he's in a win now due to his team and, you know, his, his own age. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be funny, but, like, that's the deal. Yeah, I know. He's, I know he's, not, deal, he's yeah. not building the Penguins' future. I hope nobody thinks that he cares about that. Yeah, that's, he, that's a yeah. that's not a thing. No. So I mean, Pittsburgh are lucky; they're only a couple of games behind Washington, right? So they could go from being the second wild card spot to being getting a, a, a first round home ice advantage. Like the bonus of the divisions being so tight is that they're not, you know, out of being safe. Mm-hmm. It's just that if they keep, if they have another five or six games like this where they're, you know, one, three, and one or something like that, 
they're going to be out looking in, and that's when teams like Pittsburgh start to get tight. Yeah, they might be out looking in, uh, you know, after today. They, they would have Carolina a game today. Carolina. Carolina's currently on the power play down by one to the New Jersey Devils. But Buffalo's 1-1 with Winnipeg. Jesus Christ, already. <laughs> so. Go the flow. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't you good? Yeah, no, I've got I've got everything out that I needed to. I feel much better now, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good session. It was. So, uh, that'll do for this week, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, keep our schedule. Have a have another one out next Sunday. So. Uh, oh shit! What? I actually got a Facebook thing. I forgot. Um, stat sites to use. Let me find, um, here, you, do, 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 I believe, um, the question, it was along the lines of, um, what size do you use? Yeah. Stuff like that. Do you have access to that right now? Uh, no, I don't have it up. I'm very bad with that particular platform. Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> I just don't use it. I go out of my way to stay away from it. Yeah, I uh, I noticed that, so I threw something out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was under the false impression that you were posting. Nope. <laughs> nope, uh, nope, nope. Come on, I fucking hate Facebook, though. See? This is why. All right. Sorry, I know this is a wonderful conclusion to the podcast. Uh, good place, uh, Joe Piccolo. Good places to get real stats. Some call analytics on players. You mention them here and there, but a, compre- a comprehensive look would be welcome. Okay, Joe, we got your uh, got your back here. Depends on what I'm looking for, and I'm sure Cam, that for you, uh, you have your own personal favorites and when to use certain things and where to go. Uh, if it's a live game and I want to see how um, a line is doing or something, natural stat trick is excellent. I use natural stat trick during the game. I'll use it the next day when I'm looking up stuff. I use Corsica. Uh, they have the high danger save percentage that I like. They have expected goals for percentages that um, I like to use for some context at times. Um, they both have 5v5 points per 60, which I use a ton. Uh, those are uh, two of the main ones, and I think uh, I know one I haven't mentioned that you probably will. Micah's stuff. Data, uh, what do you call Ho- it? Again? Hockey Viz. Hockey Viz. I was going to say Data Viz. I'm like, no. Um, the, the Hockey Viz stuff's really good. Um, and yeah. I'm not just saying that because he, he's a former guest on the podcast. I, I'm part of the patreon it's it's, Same, it's yeah. really good yeah. um sean tierney of the athletic does some great hockey data visualizations he also has a patreon page um, you can still access a lot of his work even if you're not part of that he he does just a wonderful job of creating aesthetically pleasing ways of showing you stuff 
I, I'm a big fan of Micah stuff because I it's quick and easy. Do you know what I mean? You can you can see what's going on really really quickly, and I find that as a tool. I don't have to put the the numbers into a spreadsheet to try and show what I'd like to understand, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and that's I think the thing that I like the the most about it, particularly because a lot of the time we're trying to compare, you know, variable A against variable B, and, and he does the he does the work for you. So if there's anybody you were going to support, I would support Micah because that's that's what he does. That's his living. So if you're using all of his free stuff, you do get a good a good value out of his stuff behind the paywall, and I would recommend. Yeah, he's got doing a lot of that. cool things. Um, for me, writing, I, I get an early access to the the possession chart pages. Whereas yeah. usually you'll have to wait longer if you're not a subscriber. Um, some other little differences, though, like for Corsica, if I want a larger sample size, I, I will use Corsica because Natural Stat Trick um, has a three-season limit, I think, right now. So if I want to extrapolate that a little bit further, um, I'll do that. I like... Um, when I create my rolling averages charts, I use Natural Stat Trick. I just use the Team tab, go to the Penguins, and then I can um, highlight and copy and paste a whole column into Excel and do it that way. So Natural Stat Trick's got the the line stats now that just came in. Um, it's kind of the place I get all of my with or without you information. That one's, with what's going on in Pittsburgh, that's particularly important. Well, when I'm with, looking at Latang, with, with and without Dumoulin is the same. That that material would be pulled from Natural yep. Stat Trick. So um, I'm trying to think. PuckOn.net is just, if I want to really quickly check, score adjusted Corsi or Fenwick it has all the team level and it and it gives you the ability to pick your specific date range and include the playoffs or not um, so you can see trends and whatnot that's loads quick it's that's really the only purpose I use that one for I'm trying to think is there anything I, I think what you're proving quite well here though is that you need you, there's not one source. Ryan Stimson's work, uh, I I should um, throw back out there again. His passing data viz um, public tableau. If you type in Ryan Stimson, you'll find his page. Uh, that passing that passing information is is that's the stuff that tells you who's good, in my opinion. Well, that's all manually done as well. Well, yes, it's hard hard work, and hopefully. We don't get, you know, how fast did Zdeno Chara skate today from the uh, the chips in the players' jerseys? That's, I, they'll, they'll start with that. I know, but it, I want the yeah. passing shit. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah we all want that. <laughs> uh, Bill Como has, like, a hero chart kind of deal. They're not he He's not the original maker of the hero charts. Dominic Gallimini is, uh, but... Bill 
has a very comprehensive, uh, nice, sharp-looking, I, I guess I'll call it a hero chart because I think more people would know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. That's a quick snapshot of a player, and I use those in my blogs all the time, and people may think it's lazy, but those things can tell you a lot, and that's like 300 less words I don't have to write telling you about it. <laughs> I do it's not have as much free time as I once did. I will try to explain certain parts of that chart that I find interesting. Um, or if you look at one like Jack Johnson's and it sucks, I don't think there's much elaboration needed. Um, it also has contract status on the chart up at the top if they're a pending free agent or not. That's uh, good. You can play around with uh, my favorite chart for that right now is 2016 to 19 with a larger sample. Obviously, if a player changed teams, you would dig deeper into Natural Stat Trick and Corsica and pull out the information. Hey, did things get better or worse? Who are they playing with on their new team? Um, but it takes time. If you want to dig through it, it, it can take time. Um, I haven't had as much time uh, to, to do as much as I think I'd like to this past year, but I'm still looking. I'm still uh, those are those are my main go-tos. Uh, hockey analysis was used to be my go-to for points per sixty, and it, that site loaded like lightning. Like lightning, that was pretty great. So I hope I didn't miss. There's so so many good con contributors. I, I hope I didn't do do any of them wrong. Yeah, but it's it's the whole point. There's a lot out there, and you can't just rely on one source. Like you, you if you want to look at particular areas, sort of each one of those sites is a little bit better than the other because you can't you can't just create one site that does it all. It, it's there's too much work, and all of this stuff's out War, there for War free. War on Ice came pretty damn close. Well, that's not free. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they got wrapped. They got wrapped up, which I understand why. So, you know, you're gonna have to look around and and you know do a little bit of footwork with your fingers. So, Joe, I hope that was um, that answered your question. If it was worth the wait of fumbling through finding the question, <laughs> but um, that's usually my process of how I do things and lately been making me a little DraftKing money really not a lot like 40 or 50 dollars here or there so not a new career no but it's fun it makes, <laughs> makes the games fun and um, you know you hit twice you, you go to a music concert for free hadn't thought of it that way that's so, true um, with that said I'm gonna go get the kids dinner Cam, you got to get to work. Yes, I certainly do. So, all right. Go to Facebook, because we both know where it is now. And <laughs> we have a Patreon. And we do. you pretty much already know where we are on Twitter. Um, some Apple iTunes reviews. Uh, if you want. So, all right. See you next time. Thanks, guys.